I didn't explode it. Good on me. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And And I feel like it's been forever since we've done this. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say that. It does feel like it's been forever. I think it's because last episode we had recorded. We recorded in February. Is that when we did it? The the last episode that released came out in February. So our last episode we actually recorded would have been like mid-March. So it's probably almost been a month since we did our last episode actually recording. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we talk every day, but it feels everything feels out of place right now. It feels like somebody came in at, at night and moved everything like an inch on my desk, and it's throwing me off a little bit. Well, I just got back from a work trip today, so my entire desk is probably an inch, if not more, <laughs> off because just everything is everywhere right now. Well, that's how Oscar actually terrorizes you. He. Um, knowingly comes in at night every night and then just goes like well he just ships cat, everything tap, tap, tap. around a little bit you just know what's a like little the cat bit. thing that they do is like when they look at you and they just like tap and like hit People things off shift, he's not like hitting they it shift off the glass closer right. and closer to the edge of the table oscar's yeah, just doing he's just that in it for like the long entire con. work desk yeah and he's in it for the long con he's just trying to like make you think that you're he's gaslighting you a little bit actually i wouldn't be surprised this cat is an asshole <laughs> All right, um, so we're back for what feels like the first time in a long time. Um, I'm just going to do a quick plug for our last episode. If you didn't listen to it, stop this episode and go listen to it and then come back to this one because it's, it's a very great episode. I've listened to it, and I don't listen to our episodes more than the one time. Um, I've listened to it like at least twice now. It's just our so last fun. episode made, I feel like I say it every time we do an interview episode, that that episode is our best episode. But I actually do think our last episode is our best episode. So our latest episode, we interviewed Jack McEwen from the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Their newest album actually will have come out a few days before this episode airs. So Night Gnomes was released on April 22nd. This is probably one of the albums I think Lindsay and I are the most excited for throughout the year. Even before we interviewed Jack, I think we were really hyped for this album, so... Please make sure you go back and listen to our late our episode prior to this and make sure you go and listen to that album because it's going to be good. Yeah, it is going to be good. And I think that's probably a good segue into Stephanie's Music Corner. Yeah. Um, even though it is the second episode of the month, we didn't do this because of the last episode. So we're going to go ahead and let her do hers because I can talk about binging whenever. Um, but I do want to say one thing before we start. And um, I'm kind of on the vein of... Uh, the Porn Crumpets album coming out on the 22nd. There's going to be three albums that I'm like really excited for coming out on the 22nd. All right, let's hear them. I'm really interested. Oh, I think I know one other one. I don't know what the third um, so one is. So Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, Night Gnomes, comes out on the 22nd. Um, Fontaine's DC, Skintifia, comes out on the 22nd. And then King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Omnium Gatherium, That's comes the out third on the 22nd one. as well. <laughs> That's the third one. So big music day for bands that we really like. Yeah. So we'll talk. We'll we'll come back to that. We'll see. Saying it now, we'll see who makes the cut next month. So okay, 
Um, we're going to highlight the albums that, uh, my five favorite albums that came out in the month of March. So I'm going to start with an album that came out March 4th. So Nilifer Yanya is a singer from the UK. This is her, I guess this is technically her third full length album. Um, the album is called Painless. Um, I really like her as a musician. I've seen her live. I saw her live in Barcelona a few years ago on tour for her debut album, Miss Universe. So that would have been back Barcelona. in 2019. Barcelona. Um, this album had a little bit more of an experimentally industrial sound to the instrumentals compared to her other work. But um, her vocals are really strong. And I think that makes it still sound coherent. Like, her style of singing is very coherent between all of her music, but this just has a more, it's a little bit more industrial sounding compared to her other stuff in, I guess I just said all of that. Um, it's a little different for her, but I think it was a good push in the right direction, and I still think it sounds very true to her sound. Um, I gave it an 8 out of 10. It was really good. I bought a physical copy of this as well. I very much enjoyed this album. If you haven't listened to this yet, Lindsay, I think you should. You should. I, her music is really good. I don't think I've listened to the whole thing. Um, you probably I meant heard to, the like, go singles. through this and look. Yeah. And um, you hadn't like highlighted your favorites yet, so I didn't. Um, but I think some of it has popped up on our blend. I'm sure it has. Yeah, her music is really good. I listened to her quite a bit. Uh, the next one I'm going to highlight is an album called Dits. Their newest album came out also on March 4th. It's called The Great Regression. And they're a little bit more of like the post-punk type sound. Um, I actually think that I described, I was listening to them on the flight to my work trip, and I, I described their sound. If you were to mash up Queens of the Stone Age, like their instrumentals with the guy from Crows, the singer, that's kind of what it reminds me of. I fun. liked it a lot. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was really interesting. It was really different. I had never heard of this band. I literally just saved it to listen to on my flight, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, the next one is... Oh, hold on. My computer's going the wrong way. Um, also came out March 4th, Band of Horses. Things are great. Um... My first note is, I feel like I don't listen to this band enough. I really like their music a lot. I, so I used to love Band of Horses. I own two of their, their first two albums, I think, on vinyl. Um, and I want the third one as well. But I feel like there was like a period of time where they kind of dropped off and they, I didn't enjoy them as much. Um, so I'm excited to hear that this new album is really good because I do I love this I thought this, this band. felt very, like, early band of horses listening to okay. it i, like I liked it a time. lot um i would almost like, put it more like overlapping a little bit with cease to begin okay but it reminds me a lot of that early era of like you know oh six oh seven yeah 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 that's exciting i liked it a lot to it. yeah i gave it an eight out of ten as well i liked it a lot it was a good time listening it made me very excited to listen to it because again they you're right they did kind of fall off for a little bit or it felt like they did and they've not released a ton in the last couple of years so for them to come back with this album i thought was really exciting i think they did release a couple they just like weren't 
anything like so since cease to begin they've released three albums cease to begin came out in 2007 so since 2007 there have been three albums 2010 2012 2016 but they haven't had an album since 2016 what was 2010 uh infinite arms I do love Infinite Arms. Okay, so then the two after that, I think I didn't really care for. But they haven't released an album since 2016. So this has been quite a bit of time in the making. So, again, I'm really excited to see them come back with this. Yeah, I'll listen to this on the bus later. You should. Uh, Next one, I think I'm hoping you've listened to. Um, It came out March 18th. It is Crash by Charlie XCX. Um, Can I just... My typing State. is bad. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't know how to type. How do you know I was going to bring that Because I'm staring at it, and I'm like, what the fuck did I type? Sharply XEX. I type really fast, and I don't go back and edit it. <laughs> it's the personal document, Lindsay. I mean, it's a personal document that I have access to, so I'm going to make funny. <laughs> All right, whatever. Um, so, oh, God, my typing is so bad. Oh, yeah, I know. The notes are bad, too. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm fixing it now because I feel like an idiot. You didn't fix sharply. I'm working on it. <laughs> Listen, I'm working on it. Listen. I'm literally crying. Um, I thought this album was a lot of fun. I've seen a lot of people on TikTok talk about this album. I don't... I go back and forth mentally. I don't know if I like it as much as... The one where she's laying in the bed? No. um, The 2019 Charlie. The album is called Charlie. So I go back and forth whether or not... I like Charlie more or I like Crash more, but the more I've been listening to Crash, I I like Crash a lot. The song Lightning, amazing. Beg for You with Rina Sawayama, amazing. There's some really hard-hitting songs in this album, and I found this girl on TikTok. God, I wish I knew her handle. She rates, she goes running, and she rates the songs out of 10 on what's the best to run to and the entire album's like a thousand out of 10 to run to <laughs> that's funny yeah that's I a good rating it, it's really that's good a good system i gave it uh, a nine out of ten i loved this album okay i'm very excited to see her perform these songs live the last one i want to talk about for the month of march came out march 25th it is the uh, how would i describe this band They're kind of a 90s rock band. They're like a goth rock band from the 1990s. It's Placebo. This is their new album, Never Let Me Go. Um, I loved this band when I was a teenager because I thought I was cool listening to a 90s goth band as a teenager. Um, But this was actually a really good album. Um, they haven't released an album since 2013, so it's been almost 10 years since their last album. So this this album was nice because it still sounds – it's a similar thing as Nilifer Yanya where it sounds true to the form, but it also is a progression on their original sound. That it's just – it's something slightly different, but it still sounds 
like you can clearly identify like oh yeah this is definitely a placebo record it was very good i gave it an eight out of ten okay i um i'll have to catch up on listening to these April's going to be good. I already can tell you right I know. now. April. Well, I'm so hyped to talk about April because March was, there was some good stuff that came out in March, but like the stuff that I've listened to thus far in April has been fantastic. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about this a lot is that like early in the year, first quarter is like a little bit weaker than the rest of the year. Um, and this is kind of like indicative of that, but then like, I guess not the whole first quarter, but some of the first quarter can be. Yeah. I feel like February was a really big high month. Like, I feel like January was kind of slow. February was kind of high. March March was good, but it was compared to February was kind of slow. And then compared to how much I've listened to in April already, it's also been. Oh, yeah. March I has been kind of slow. So like we're that. going we're going up and down in a little bit of a wave right now. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll see. I forgot February was the month of four out of five tens. Yeah. February was really high rankings. Going backwards and saying like that was a 10 out of 10. Yeah. For the last one. Okay, cool. So let's get into the beer. Um, We're not drinking the same beer this episode because we can't do it every episode. And also we were not prepared. So Steph, what are you drinking? Steph is stepping away from the computer for a second, so I'll tell you what I am drinking. This is called Dame and the Giant Peach by Witch Hat Brewing Company out of South Lyon, Michigan. This is a beer Stephanie gave me um, a couple months ago that I am just now getting around to drinking. Uh, It's a kettle sour ale brewed with peaches, dot, 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 so many peaches. Originally brewed as an international women's collaboration brew day beer for men to women's craft collective and all of the incredible ladies here at the hat. Uh, and then it says cheers to all the strong, creative, passionate, and amazing women that make the Michigan beer industry all that it is. Yeah. So my sister-in-law actually bought me that beer. Um, I drank all of it that I have here, but I did send, I did send Lindsay some. It holds up. I mean, sours, I, I, it's not that old of canning, but it, it definitely, I mean, I feel like sours hold up a little bit better depending on how they're brewed. But if you think it's, if it still tastes tart and like peaches, I think it's done its job. It does still taste <laughs> tart and like peaches. But yeah, it's pretty, um, it's very peachy. It almost oh. tastes like, um, I don't know if we have these in the U.S., but in Canada, they have like these peach rings. Oh, we have peach rings in the States. That's a oh yeah, it's like sour peach. It tastes like a sour peach ring. It's kind of like similar to like fuzzy snack and the peachiness. That's a good comparison, profile. actually. Yeah, because I've I've obviously had that beer. So that all that's a good comparison. I hadn't thought about that when I drank it. It's because your head is empty. <clears throat> no thoughts. It's because you and I share a single brain cell <laughs> across the country, so it's got to travel back and forth pretty far. Yeah, it doesn't ping as fast as a phone call or text message does. No, no, it doesn't. Um, I am drinking actually a beer that Steve got me when he was on a work trip not too long ago. I am also drinking a sour. I am drinking the Passion Fruit Dragon Fruit Mango Hill from Southern Grist. Southern Grist is in Nashville. Um, We've done their beer on the podcast before. They do, they're kind of well known for these, uh, like super fruit heavy sours. 
This one in particular is a fruited sour brewed with uh, passion fruit, dragon fruit, mango puree, and lactose. Doesn't look lactose just in the consistency, like looking at it. So we'll see. So an initial taste, you don't really, you get the creamy mouthfeel of the added lactose, but it doesn't taste lactose heavy, which is kind of nice because a lot of fruited sours, I feel like when they have lactose in them, that's most of what you taste. So it tastes kind of like a milkshake bomb type thing. Um, like overly sweet. Yeah. yeah. This is overly a really sweet, like usually really, really creamy. Yeah, this this has a good strong like fruit forward flavor that I like. And because of the fruit the fruit purees that they used, it it doesn't taste overly sweet. So, which is really nice. I mean you it's fruity, but it's not like disgustingly sweet, like you would think for a lot of like fruit heavy sours. Yeah. Because when I think, like, fruit-heavy sour in my head, I just go to, like, 450 North down in Indiana, which is just, like, a fruit bomb. It's like a sugar bomb in a sour form. Anyways, do you have three words? Yeah, um, I'm going to say tart, mango, passion fruit, I guess, because those are the three things that stand out to me yeah there's dragon fruit in this but i think the passion fruit the mango and the the, the tartness of the sour kind of stand out the most to me i'm gonna call this tart smooth and i can't use the word peach can i because it's in the name oh shit that i can't use any of these words hold on i gotta rethink this <laughs> oh, okay so God. i'm gonna say tart um smooth and stone fruit i'm gonna get i'm gonna okay. go around the word peach. okay I'm going to say tart, light. Stone fruit. Is passion fruit, fruit a stone a fruit? I guess no. mango is a stone fruit. Uh, I don't think it is, technically. It's got a pit. I don't know that all fruits that have pits are stone fruit. Like, that would make a cherry a stone fruit. That's a good point. Passion fruit and mango are both tropical fruits, so you can say okay. tropical. I'll do, so I said tart light and tropical we'll do those three okay cool um so now that we've bullshitted for 20 minutes (laughs) sorry my cat's being a nightmare oh not even that i mean we've just been like shooting the shit um let's get into the episode yeah so this episode i think is going to be a fun topic to discuss so we wanted to do this episode in honor of the 100th anniversary of the film nosferatu so Nosferatu was originally released in on March 4th of 1922. So it's the 100th anniversary of Nosferatu. So what we kind of wanted to talk about is just vampire media. And obviously we can chat about how things have changed since 1922 and the original adaptation of Nosferatu and to what we are in vampire media today. And we're just going to okay. talk fun shit about vampire media because we've seen probably far too much of it between the two of us. Yes, I would agree. We've watched a lot of vampire yeah. media between the two of us. So I'll start with just a little bit of history about the Nosferatu show and then we'll uh, move on from there. So okay. um, Nosferatu is, the long title is Nosferatu, a symphony of horror. It's a silent German horror film directed by F.W. Murnau, and it came out 
obviously 1922. It takes place in 1838. So the story itself takes place almost 100 years prior to when the film came out. And it's basically a uh, adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. But due to copyright at the time, they it's all different names. So no one has... It's, it's, it's an adaptation of Dracula without using the name Dracula anywhere in it. Okay. It's actually considered to be a... Uh, back at the time when it was released, it was considered to be a low-budget horror film, which is really funny if you think about that being a low-budget film compared to what we think of low-budget films today. And it was originally set in Germany with German characters to make the story more tangible for German-speaking viewers. So it's very heavily German-influenced in comparison to the actual Dracula novel, which takes place in the UK. Cool. So it's just, it's a slight adaptation. Um, I've actually seen it performed with like a live orchestra in front of the silent film, which was really cool. I saw that in 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. It was really cool to see live. Um, obviously, watching the film on its own is one thing but seeing it performed is really fun yeah that sounds like a really fun time because i feel like the the orchestra helps to like add to the ambiance and like oh absolutely the scariness of it yeah this was actually looked at as like a super big time horror film back in the 1920s mm-hmm. okay which is funny because it's not scary at not all scary. <laughs> no I mean, my favorite thing about Nosferatu is the, is the, the SpongeBob. SpongeBob reference. Yeah. There's been so many references to this film throughout history, even outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, the SpongeBob <clears throat> reference is probably my favorite as well. Uh, yeah. It really had this. I mean, it being referenced even in SpongeBob in the 2000s just shows how long of a legacy this film has had. And it's had like a major, it's it's significantly different than what we think of in vampire culture today. So it's mm-hmm. just so interesting to think back on it coming out a hundred years ago, being this super scary horror movie into, you know, the, the various stuff we have today. What I think is really interesting about Nosferatu is, do you know anything about who Joe Hill is? I think the, so. The uh, writer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Stephen King's son. He did yeah. um, Horns. Yes. He wrote, oh, yeah. He has a, he has a, like his third novel is Nosferatu, but it's spelled N-O-S, the number four, A, and then letter two. Um, and it's like sort of like an adaptation, I guess, of Nosferatu. Okay. Um, but that one had uh, like a short TV show that they did um, for it. That was on AMC. Really? That's super interesting. I didn't know that they had made a show. No, um, I didn't either. I've never read the book because I can never find his books. Um, But it's sort of like, I mean, this this will go into like a different thing. (laughs) Um, But it sort of like flows into the Stephen King universe in a way. Um, of like the the main characters, there's like not actually Nosferatu either. It's just like, uh, like a, a demon, evil guy. So it's a it's an adaptation of the Nosferatu story, which is an adaptation yeah. 
of Dracula. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I'm reading. I have a. I have an article or wiki thing open right now, and it describes. Uh, it has like the. Like where they can trace the the vampire, back to. Um, and so this specifically says that the charismatic and sophisticated vampire of modern fiction um, can be traced back to 1819 with the publication of a novel called The Vampire, uh, V-A-M-P-Y-R-E, mm-hmm. um, written by John Polidori, um, and it's considered the most influential vampire work of the early 19th century. Since Bram Stoker's work, Dracula, came yeah, out, which was 18. 18- 97 mm-hmm. the one thing i think that's really important to like note specifically with how nosferatu is explained and it kind of leads into like more modern retelling of vampire stories it's kind of meant to be a story about the other and someone that's outside of societal norms and so it's been at the time um the the Nosferatu story specifically is kind of known for having a potentially anti-Semitic tones, if you think about the time in Germany that this was leading up to. So this film yeah. is kind of, it's not we don't know for sure, but it's kind of viewed a little bit that way nowadays. Um, but it's also been stated that Dracula could be based around anti-Semitic notes as well. We just don't have obviously. It's been over a hundred years since that novel was released, so we have no way to know that for sure. Interesting. But, I didn't know that. Well, so they they say that specifically Count Orlock, who is the Nosferatu character, um, has a hooked nose, long claw-like fingernails, a bald head. It's been. It could be, okay. you know, a stereotype of Jewish culture. Okay. Interesting. From that time, again hard to say at this day and age we don't have anything documented anywhere but that's it's kind of an assumption that's been made and i i don't think it's a far reach to say that oh so the idea is that um orlock arrives into this town from transylvania essentially and brings with him a swarm of rats and spreads the plague throughout the town so rather than it being like the stereotypical like what we think of a vampire he's just spreading a plague onto the town yeah which is why there's also been kind that that kind of leads back into some of the potentially anti-semitic tones that come with this film because it was viewed throughout parts of germany in that time that judaism was spreading a plague throughout germany Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting to see the like this was one of one of the things we consider the original vampire story to be such rooted in such hatred mm-hmm. but i think it's kind of changed it's this this has kind of been taken in a different way throughout more modern times because i've almost seen in if you look into like the 80s and 90s um the vampire stories a lot of people were using it to associate it with people that had hiv or people that were you know, in the LGBTQ plus community in that time. Mm-hmm. We're kind of seeing themselves in those characters. So it's really interesting to see how this character that is the other has been viewed so differently throughout the last hundred years. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, like, as you mentioned, it potentially could have been written to, like, be something negative. Represent someone that was, yeah. Like, yeah, negatively other, but it's now become kind of, like, a a symbol of, like, not fitting in. Yeah. And something that you, that's, like, relatable. Yeah. Because you can relate to... Feeling like character. that, yeah. you know, that outsider character in one way or another. Yeah. Um, so what, just thinking about more, you know, like on to just like the vampire lore and stuff in general and media, what's your favorite piece of vampire media? Okay. Um, before we get into this, I actually want oh, to talk okay. a little bit about, um, on this page I'm reading about like how the lore has changed over time. Ooh, yes. Tell me more. Um, so it says like in Slavic and Chinese traditions, um, the way vampires were created was like a corpse. If, if a corpse was jumped over by any kind of animal, um, they were feared to become like undead. Oh, that's um, interesting. I didn't know that. And like they considered bodies that couldn't be treated with boiling water or like a, like a wound that couldn't be treated with boiling water as like at risk for becoming a vampire. Um, in Russian folklore, vampires were said to have been witches or people that had rebelled against the Russian Orthodox Church while they were alive and came back due to dark magic. And then, obviously, we know, like, in the more recent lore, um, vampires are created when a vampire bites or, like, gives a human their blood. Mm-hmm. Um, that turns them into, like, a, a child, I guess, vampire. Yeah. Um, and then there's, like, I think another interesting thing is, like, the different ways to kill vampires. Um, okay. So, like, in different countries, different ways to kill vampires or prevent vampires exist. So, like, one example is, like, bearing a corpse upside down prevents the body from becoming a vampire. Interesting. Um, I That's another weird thing I had never heard of. I've never heard, heard of that either. Severing the tendons at the knees or spiking the head, body, or clothes to the ground to keep them from rising. Um, scattering small grains such as rice, poppy, or millet, or sand on the ground near the grave, which would keep them occupied counting grains all night. And this is European <laughs> and Chinese lore. So weird. Um, the specific that they would be counting the grains. The specific, that's funny. the part that's weird. <clears throat> um, further measures included pouring boiling water and uh, incinerating the body. Um, placing something like a lemon or garlic or a brick in the mouth of the corpse. Well, that's where the garlic comes from. And then shooting from. a bullet. Yeah. Um, and, like, obviously today, I guess modern lore is, like, spiking in the heart with wood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think silver bullets. I thought that was, was werewolves. werewolves. That's werewolves. Um, and then, like, cutting their head off or, I think, burning them in, like, the sun. Or, like, the modern ones. Unless mm-hmm. you're Edward and then the sun doesn't kill you. It just makes you sparkly. Um, and that's another one, like the idea that like vampires can't go out in certain times, like they can't enter holy land. They have to be invited into yeah, your house. Yeah, they have to be invited so, in. Yeah. Um, they can't go outside during the day. Um, and then, it, but it says in ri- original lore, it, they've never ne- necessarily, uh, been like susceptible to sunlight. It's just, I think... The idea that they were active at night. 
kind that kind of, of changed the story changed, a little yeah. bit just because they're more active at night. Yeah. And they sleep during the day means that they physically cannot go out during the day. Yep. Cool. So with that fun lore bit done, um, the answer to your previous question of <laughs> my favorite media um, about vampires, I have two. Okay. Um, I haven't watched this, the first one I'm going to mention in like years, so I don't know if it still holds up, but I used to love Buffy the Vampire Slayer a lot. That's I a hate really Joss good show. Whedon. I hate Joss Whedon too. I think we all do. I love the show. As a society. We all hate Joss I think Whedon. we all do too, but the show is just so much fun. And I was, like, obsessed. I, I watched it, like, every day, like, whenever its time slot was <laughs> when I came home from school. Um, and then I'm pretty sure I watched it when it was, like, streaming, whenever it came back on streaming. Um, yeah. I, I love that show. And then my number two – actually, I have three. Um, okay. My number two – actually, no. I don't want to admit to the fact that I like this because I'm pretty sure I said it was terrible. <laughs> Two episodes, three episodes ago. Okay, whatever. Number two, uh, I I enjoyed the first three seasons of True Blood. You can say that you enjoyed a certain amount of it. You said it got <laughs> bad at the end. We talked about it being I enjoyed bad it. because that show went downhill so fast. Okay. I enjoyed the first, like, two or three seasons. I can't remember when it got bad. For sure the first two. I can't remember if th- the third season was good or not um, of that show. I stopped watching it after season three because I think that's when it got bad or four. Um, but then I think my absolute favorite vampire media is the stand is not the stand. It's Salem's lot. (laughs) The stand. (laughs) That is not the same thing as Salem's lot. I mean, it's all Stephen King. So it's close. It's close. It's all one universe. Um, it's, it's all Stephen King universe. Um, but yeah, the, the Salem's lot is one thing. One of my, Ooh. Do you have another There's so one? much, actually, because I just There's remember so Lost much Boys. Good. Well, I okay, so I'm I'll take Lost Boys because I was about to talk about that. So okay. I just uh, like remember Lost Boys. And I was like, oh, but Lost Boys. A um, couple of my favorites. I mean, we can we can just keep talking about our favorite pieces of vampire media as they come to mind. But uh, okay, the the first one I thought of was Lost Boys. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but Fall Out Boys, a little less 16 Candles, a little more Touch Me video is based off of yes. Lost Boys. Uh, it's very and obviously based vi- off of Lost Boys. It's and not like I a question. I love that video. That it's music so video good. is so weird. It's so, so bonkers, long. but it's so good. Oh, yeah. They had to like put advertisements in it to pay for it. That, that video was like 10 minutes long. That's one of the longest music videos I think I've ever seen. And the it's song almost is like three as long, long as Thriller. Isn't Thriller like 13 minutes? So like it's it's a long music video. I, I think so, yeah. Um, but the video, the song itself is only like three minutes long. But Yeah. Um, oh, no, I absolutely know that that video is a reference to Lost Boys. I love Boys. that music video. I love the fact that they did that. Um, I think Lost Boys is such a good movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so okay. good. 1987. It's like peak 80s culture. You got Corey Haim. You got... Um, Oh God! You got Corey Feldman. You got, um, you got Kiefer Sutherland is in it. Oh, uh, I mean, you got Kiefer. You Sutherland. got Alex Winter. You got everybody from the '80s in that movie. If you're wondering, Alex Winter is Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's not what I was looking up. Oh, what are you looking up? Vampire media. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. 
Um, yeah, Lost Boys was like one of my favorite movies when I was a teenager. It's such a good movie. Um, mm-hmm. The other one I was going to reference is obviously our favorite director of all time, Taika Waititi, <gasps> What We Do yes. in the Shadows from 2014. Yes. Also the show. I mean, the show that came out for the first time in 2018, 2019. The TV yeah, show, the show is great. and the, the movie are great. Um, yeah, the movie um, is amazing. That is also one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Um, the song Vampires Will Never Hurt You by My, Chem- my Chemical Romance. Oh my it's just a wild ride, and it's so good. If they don't, <laughs> if they of... don't play that live, I'm going to be really upset. Like, <laughs> no, I will be upset don't. at Riot Fest if they don't play Vampires Will Never Hurt You or you know The Sharpest Lives, because that's the other vampire My Chemical Romance song. Um, you know that they won't play Vampire I know! Don't tell me that! Let me have some dreams! I already think they're gonna pull out of Riot Fest, so... Let a girl have a dream. Do you? Yeah, I do. Dude, if... I mean... I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> you and half the people that have tickets. I'm gonna be 40 before the time I actually see them. I've all <laughs> bought the tickets when, I'm in, when I was in my 20s and not see them until I'm 40. That's the rate we're going. Um, okay. <laughs> Do you have any vampire books that you really like? I mean, besides Salem's Lot. Yeah. I really like Salem's Lot. We talked about that a lot when we did the Stephen King episode. That's one of my favorite yeah. Stephen King books. Salem's Lot's like one of my favorites of his yeah. ever. I would agree. Um, Interview with a Vampire by Anne Rice. I like that a lot. Uh-huh. Um, I like the book more than the movie, although the movie itself is really good. And I never thought I'd be attracted to Tom Cruise in anything, but I'm kind of attracted to Tom Cruise playing Lestat in Interview with the Vampire. I feel like that's reasonable, though. Yeah. Um, I am not attracted yeah. to Brad Pitt in that movie, though. Brad Pitt is not cute in that movie. Are you looking up what they look like in that movie right now? No, I'm looking up something else. Um, I was looking at Queen of the Damned because I couldn't remember who played oh, Queen Aksha. Yeah. But it's Aaliyah. It is Aaliyah. Yeah. I forgot that it was Aaliyah. God, she was so hot in that. Rest in peace. That was like a sexual awakening for me, too. Um, I'm looking at this list of the best vampire movies of all time, and somebody put Vampire's Kiss from 1988, the Nick Cage movie. That movie's bananas. It's not a good vampire movie because it's not about vampires, but that movie itself is bananas. So I'm just thinking it's hilarious. Did you know that vampires are mentioned in The Silmarillion by Tolkien? No. One vampire is mentioned. A singular vampire. And apparently Sauron takes the form of a vampire. So in the show that's coming out on Amazon, Amazon. I think. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be vampires. What did they call on that show? The Power of the Ring or something stupid like that? Mm-hmm. Rings of Power. Rings of Power. I was close. Um, I mean, it looks amazing, so don't make fun of it. I think the name I'll is stupid, you. but the show looks good. I'll fight you. Um, my favorite vampire book is 
The Last Vampire by Christopher Pike. I read all of those books when I was younger. I've not heard of those. I enjoyed them. Um, I got them at the library in the young adult section. That checks out. Um, they're very horny books. There's no sex that actually happens in them, but they're, they're all kind everyone's of horny. really hot. Well, it's like everyone's really hot and everyone's really horny, but nobody's having sex. Okay. I'm just saying. Um, I used to read a lot of Christopher Pike back in the day because everyone was hot and horny, but nobody had sex. Um, let me look this one up. I think this may have been a book. Hold on. Did you know Elton John wrote a musical musical called Lestat? No, but I would have paid money to see that. I had a brief run on Broadway in 2006. Yeah, hold on. Let me look this up. Okay, My this is a My sister read The Vampire Lestat in French. Um, oh. And I didn't know it was in French. So I tried to read it when I was younger. And because I was like, this is like, this sounds interesting. Like, um, Le Vampire Lestat is what it was called. Mm-hmm. And my sister was like, yeah, it's just about like a vampire. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll read it. And she was like, like looked at me and was like, didn't say anything. And was like, okay. <laughs> and let me take good it. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a good luck with that. It. And I was like, well, what the fuck? Why can't she have an English version? Um, okay. So I read Let the Right One In, which has been adapted oh, into two different films. Um, it was released in Sweden in 2004, but I read it in high school. So in the U.S., they released it in 2008 in an English version. So I would have read it 20, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. Um, for those unfamiliar with the... I mean, I think a lot of people recognize it as like the horror film. Um, it's about a 12-year-old boy who meets a centuries old vampire who's in the form of like a small child and their friend it's basically about them building a friendship in stockholm um in the 80s and it's extremely graphic with the murder that goes on in there and it 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 deals with a lot of like mental issues of like anxiety isolation um obviously like murder um, it's a very heavy book, but the book itself is really good. And the, both both film adaptations, so Let the Right One In, which is the Swedish film, and then Let Me In, which is the Americanized version, both are actually very good. You talking about the little kid reminds me of my actual favorite um, novel series that has vampires in it. Uh, and it's called um, the Night World series. It's about like Vampires, witches, shapeshifters, werewolves. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. Um, and uh, it's a good book, but there's it's a good series. And the, But there's one where, like, this girl's, like, friend, when she was younger, disappeared. And then, like, they never found out where he was. And then, like, later on in life, she meets him and he is a child vampire. And it's very sad, but it's, like, a young adult book. All right, another another YA fiction novel. <laughs> I mean, are you surprised? No, <laughs> no. I'm looking up right oh, now no. because I, um, 
it popped up as one. Uh, hold on. I gotta find this. The Underworld series are based on vampires. Underworld is vampires. That's right. I, I haven't I watched those movies that. in a long time. I haven't either. I they keep show. One. I think they're on HBO or Hulu or one of those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they keep showing up as like movies you should watch. And I'm like, oh, I should watch that. I haven't watched those in a long time. And then I never watch them. Uh, where was I going with this? Um, I got kind of am going down a black hole right now. Well, not a black hole. I'm kind of going down into a hole right now of... Um, vampire stories around people of color as i'm looking mm-hmm. into this because blade kept coming up and so i'm like oh what else is there because i know i've seen other things but the blade i think the blade franchise itself was really interesting especially the time that it came out with wesley snipes yeah because i mean a it's a comic book and then b it's a black man is a vampire who's a vampire hunter and they're actually trying to bring I that think- back I think it's really interesting as a point in general. Like, I can't remember watching any people of color based, like, vampire movies or, like, really any with, like, a main character. Yeah. Um, other than, like, the Blade movies. Everything else yeah. has always been, like, a white person. So I, I mean, think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, besides the typical black exploitation of uh, Blackula, which is a yeah. very fun movie. It's a very entertaining film. I think I, that one actually turned out very well. Besides the fact of, you know, what they were trying to just reach for, that movie's actually pretty yeah. well made. Um, they also, as I'm scrolling through this list, um, A Vampire in Brooklyn, I've actually seen is really good. That came out in, like, the mid-90s. Um, I think they did um, a spinoff of that, like, Vampire in the Bronx or something like that. That was, on, like, a TV show on hulu or netflix or something isn't i vampires versus the bronx that's what it's called okay i think i am legend they're vampires i saw that movie once and i don't really remember it besides the fact the dog dies yeah it will smith is the main character and like the idea is that like they were trying to re-engineer some kind of <clears throat> virus to cure something. Mm-hmm. And then it just like infected the entire population, turned everyone into vampire. Hmm. Um, like mutants. I thought um, they were, I don't know if I recall them being vampires, but again, I haven't seen that movie since like, I think I saw it in theaters and I've never seen it. I'm since. looking it up now. It calls them vampire, vampiric, albino, cannibalistic mutants. Lovely. All the fun um, stuff. Yeah. I forgot that was the case that they were that they were vampires um but yeah that that's another one. Oh, here's one that i completely forgot about too have you ever seen vamp from 1986 it stars grace jones no oh that's a really good movie um it's she based grace jones is basically like the owner of an all vampire brothel <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a horror comedy but i mean I love Grace Jones, so I remember watching that a couple years ago. 
Okay. The soundtrack is really good, too, because it has her music in it. Oh, when we didn't talk about, what is it, uh, 28 Days Later? Those are zombies. Those are zombies. That's right. It's not vampires. Why did I think that was vampires? I don't know why I thought that. I know it's a zombie they movie. They are zombies, right? I think so. I said that out loud, and then I was like, wait, I think that's a zombie movie. No, you're right. That is a zombie movie. That's an, that's a contagion movie. Um, the only thing I think we didn't cover that I think would be interesting to cover is really just the young, like, I mean, we've sort of covered it and, like, hinted at it, but, like, the young adult aspect of vampires. Oh, yeah, and, like, we didn't even talk about Twilight. <laughs> well, we didn't talk about Twilight. We, we haven't talked about, like, the vampire diaries. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about any of that. Um, I mean, isn't Hemlock Grove about vampires, too? Yes, Hemlock Grove is about vampires. So, like, yeah, I mean, I think just the... The idea that vampires are horny and, like, directed at teenagers and, like, mid to early 20-year-olds. Yeah. Very much I mean, you think – we talk about the Covenant a lot on this show and, like, make fun of it. Just being, like, a horny girls TV yeah. show. A lot of the vampire, like, young adult stuff is definitely, like, for horny young adult women. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's entirely what the Vampire Diaries is about. Absolutely. Um, absolutely what Helmlock Grove. I think Helmlock Grove is maybe geared towards older. I think it's a little bit older, but... It's not, uh, like, young adult. It's, like, women in their 20s yeah. and 30s. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, a lot of that stuff's really horny. Vampire Diaries is so horny. Those... <laughs> Vampire Diaries. Oh my is god! So Real horny. quick though, I read the first book. That may be one of the worst books I've ever read. That book was written by the same lady that wrote The Night World, <laughs> L.J. Smith. I don't know what The Night World is. The one I was just talking oh. about with the vampires oh. and the witches. <laughs> Have you read the Vampire Diaries? They are not good. Uh, no, my sister did though. That is probably one of the worst books I've ever read. I read the first one and I was like, oh no, this is bad. No, it's like written like a fan fiction. Like, yes. Night World is written like a fan fiction. Oh, okay. That makes more sense then. I um, mean, Twilight's basically a fan fiction as well. Twilight is a fan fiction. Listen, have you read the parts about how Bella Swan dresses? That's absolutely a self insert for oh, yeah. a Mormon woman. Yeah. Um,. I had one more. Okay, so we talked. You mentioned horny vampires. Um, the other thing I was going to say is Buffy the Vampire Slayer was also very horny in, like, an acceptable 2000s version of horny, if that makes sense. Like, like back when that show was coming out, you couldn't be, like, overly horny on TV. You couldn't, like, yeah, you couldn't be, it like, wasn't super quite horny the on same. Maine. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't be, be horny, horny on Maine. Maine. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's what it was, though. It yeah. was, like, an appropriately horny show. Yeah. Now the shows are all like, you want sex? We got porn with a tiny bit of plot. Um, I mean, that's, like, that's yeah. what True Blood was, is porn with a tiny bit of plot. Um, I actually just thought of a show that I didn't think of immediately with vampires, but it just came to my head. Have you ever watched Penny Dreadful? Yes. That, Not the whole thing. I think I watched a few episodes. Um, and I that is it. one of the best shows I've ever seen. And I kind of forget that there's a vampire plot to it because there's so many other things that happen in that show that don't involve vampires. But 
that show's amazing. Yeah. Eva Green. Oof. That's something else. Are we forgetting anything, like, really fun? I mean, I could talk about Twilight for a long time. We've, we've done we it before. We've done it. I'll talk about it <laughs> again. We're not doing that again. Um, we didn't really um, talk a ton about, I mean, we highlighted it, but the What We Do in the Shadows television show, I think is so, it's a little bit different than obviously the movies because yeah. it's, I mean, yeah, it, it's written by different people, but it's still produced by the same people. I think that's a great show. I think it'll be fun soon to do a Taiko ITT episode. Oh my God. That's a great idea. I love him. Um, Cool. Well, I don't have anything else. No, I think we're good. Um, Well, I guess I thought of one. Um, I talked about it on the episode where we did, um, like, thirst watching. I talked about The Only Mm. Lovers Left Alive, the Tilda Swinton, Tom Hiddleston vampire movie. It's very boring, but I think it's a good... I think it's a good vampire story. It's just not the story I thought it was going to be when I watched it. <laughs> there was a lot of naked Tom Hiddleston, though. So I'm yeah, okay I with mean, that. is it horny? A little bit. Not as oh, horny not as I wanted horny? it to be. Ah. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it's not as horny, then it's got to be interesting. This is a slow movie. Okay, cool. Well, I think that covers it for the episode. Jesus Christ. Um, So thanks for listening to the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed recording it. Please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a five-star rating. And if you're feeling extra saucy, you can leave us a written review. If you leave us a written review, we will read it on the show. Do we have any written reviews? Not on Spotify. Not on Spotify. So... Go be the person to leave us a written review. Um, If you're not totally comfortable leaving a written review in a public forum, shoot us a DM or shoot us an email. Listen through the song and you will hear all of our social media plugs and you can contact us there. If you talk to us, we will talk back to you. Eventually. Also, I'm pretty sure Spotify doesn't do written reviews. It's just ratings, but... Well, I mean, you can go on Apple, you can go on Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcast streaming service and leave us a written review there. Okay. And with that, we will see you next time. All right. That was the episode. So we love hearing from you. um, And if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr as underscore Stefan Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.